1954, a monster of a film came looming out of the oceans and attacked Japanese cinemas. The original Godzilla, or Gojira, is on its surface a simple kaiju movie about a colossal radioactive dinosaur who devastates Tokyo. But underneath the surface, if you will, is a metaphor for the Japanese experience of nuclear war, both past and future. Exported to the United States and the globe at large, Godzilla became a fun monster movie franchise for children. But this original is something much deeper, a reflection on the terrible experience of the Second World War's finale. It is also an expression of fear of Armageddon from the only nation to ever suffer nuclear war. So pour some room temperature sake and expect something more than reptilian mayhem as you join us for episode 62 of Toasting the Classics, Godzilla. Welcome to Toasting the Classics, a podcast where we talk about something that people call classic and decide if it's still classic and we do something else. What's the other thing we do while we're talking about it? Well, we drink. We, we oh, have yeah. to have something oh, yeah. to toast with, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, my name is Dave MacArthur. My name is Clint Lanier. And uh, what are we going to talk about this week? What? We, well, it's your, your choice. I mean, my choice. So was... I have to... We are talking about the original Godzilla film, 1954 Godzilla which I'm not sure which version you got. Uh, we'll talk about that. Apparently there's a, um, a difference in versions, okay. uh, which, which I wasn't aware of, which is definitely on my list for biggest surprise right, right there. Because I saw okay. this when I was a kid and I saw a different version. So yeah, so this, this is a famous movie. I think everybody knows the basic principle, which is that a giant dinosaur lizard thing comes out of the ocean and attacks Japan, right? I mean, there's, there's your right. synopsis right there. Just a completely what? indestructible creature. I think actually for a synopsis, and we can do this since uh, this is a podcast after all. Uh-oh. So I, I think for a, for a good synopsis, let's turn to the Blue Oyster Cult real quick and just hear some opening lines. All right, we may be we may be exceeding fair use at this point. <laughs> have to be <laughs> careful there. I did not know that was by Blue Oyster Cult. I, I if you'd asked me who that song was by, I don't know if I would have had any idea. But well, see, there's your, your here's your second biggest surprise right there. Yeah, there you go. There there's a little dive bar in the town I grew up in, Springfield, mm-hmm. Virginia, and just across the corner from where my grand grandparents' house was, there was this old beat up bar slash club. And I swear to God, Blue Oyster Cult would play there like twice a year the whole time I was growing up, like in like well into the 1990s, like Blue Oyster Cult would be playing at this bar. And I never I've actually I, I saw them at Wet and Wild Waterworld and Anthony, New Mexico or Anthony, Texas, where it is. Okay. Uh, yeah. Blue Oyster Cult came on. They, they did, like, you know, Don't Fear the Reaper. And maybe really? a couple of others. That? Blue Oyster yeah, they played that. Played Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> yeah, can you believe that? I looked at the song and it's like a full synopsis of the film. It was so did you actually watch the movie or did you just look at the lyrics of the song and you're like, I think I'm good. I <laughs> yeah, I could I could have skipped it. Yeah. So here's my here's my question. This is what I was thinking about before. Which version did you watch? Did you watch 54 or 56? 54. Okay. So when I was a little kid, you watched I remember 56. I was probably about five years old, and I uh-huh. remember I saw the original Godzilla film was going to be on TV at midnight. Mm-hmm. And my dad promised me he'd wake me up at midnight and we'd watch the movie because I couldn't stay up that late. And he mm-hmm. just let me sleep through the night. And I'm still mad about it, like to this day. <laughs> so like six months later, I think we rented it or something from, you know, the, the tape store called Errol's that we used to have here. Um, uh-huh. And it was definitely the Raymond Burr version. Like, I, that's what I thought I was getting when I put this movie on. I was like, where's where's Raymond Burr? Like, what's, this is all <laughs> Japanese people. What the, what's going right. on? Here? Um, did you know about did you know about that? To be honest with you, I never watched, I never really ever watched any of these. Um, oh, okay. This is the first time I've seen any of them. Um, I think the the first Godzilla film, I, I mean, I was obviously aware of them. I mean, Godzilla is right. a cultural phenomenon, but um, 
I think the first one I ever saw was like Matthew Broderick was in it and it was terrible. Oh, wow. okay. And uh, it was like yeah, 2004 no, no. or something like that. And, uh, it made and it some was just, just questionable choices with that movie. But right. I, you know, watching this, I was impressed how much the Matthew Broderick version did kind of follow the same storyline and the pacing of the film. Sort and things of, like that. yeah. Yeah. Other than of. that, like it was a completely different monster right. and he didn't have the classic roller. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, what? why yeah. would you have a, a property like this and, and have this right. different version that isn't as cool as the original one? What are, what are we doing here? Bigger and better. I mean, that that's sort of like Hollywood's thing. First time I've, I've ever seen any any Godzilla. I didn't see the 56 version, which was so. So let's let's do a quick synopsis. So sure. uh, this was released in 1954 in Japan. It was a, a Japanese-made, Japanese-produced, Japanese-written movie. Released in 1954, did very well. It mm-hmm. earned about 550,000 American, 183 million yen, adjusted for inflation. It's like a hundred million dollars. It was it was a big earner. Um, big, movie. big movie, yeah, yeah. at the time. So uh, released in 54. It was all you know Japanese, obviously, and then it was uh, purchased. In 56, I can't remember the, the studio, Warner Brothers or one of those. And they heavily re-edited it, yeah. put oh, in yeah. Amer- put in American actors, and they yeah. really didn't use a lot other than the the carnage and destruction scenes. They didn't use a lot from the original movie, um, right. except for the plot and stuff like that. And then, of course, the property name, Godzilla. But just as an example, at the end of the film, there's a scene where the, the actual human characters are talking to each other on the deck of a ship. In the right. 56, 1956 Godzilla King of Monsters, one that was released in the United States, they filmed the scene again and used body doubles for the original actors so that they did have some semblance of... I, I just wish I'd, I wish I'd had time to watch the 56 version again to see how weird it is parallel like watching <laughs> right right uh, yeah i do i do remember i do remember like raymond burr's lines and like him reading and he has this really grim way of reading the lines while godzilla is like destroying the city was pretty effective and cool mm. i don't know how i feel about all the you know dubbing and getting rid of all the japanese people and stuff like that's right, kind of right. weird I, i'm not down with that sure. but yeah. he's a he's a he was a good actor and did a really good job with the voiceover and stuff like that so i mean that that part, I think that added something to the movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like we said with Dark Knight Returns, where you have like the, a lot of exposition being done by the newscasters. It was very right. similar to that. It was like because you were getting the news broadcast about what was going on, he could sort mm-hmm. of reflect on things and it added a little bit of gravity to it in a way. But yeah. um, they also cut out all the references to nuclear weapons in the American version. Right. Well, just because they're responsible for it. Do we want to make a stab at a synopsis of some kind? I was I was joking that the story is pretty simple, but there's there's a little bit more to it than that. It's a it's a disaster movie essentially. Godzilla's destroying ships, you know, near Japan, and then attacks mm-hmm. a couple of villages, and the violence keeps like ratcheting up until finally he's coming out of Tokyo Bay and attacking Tokyo itself, and um, nothing works. They try to they try to shoot him. Well, first of all, the villagers try to go after him with hoes and rakes. And right. surprisingly, surprisingly, that's not effective. Doesn't quite work. Right? No. Uh, and then um, they do depth charges. It seems a little bit more like plausibly if it was a real animal, that that would actually hurt it. Right. And then we've got, they go after him with uh, electricity and that doesn't work. Try to shock him with giant high tension wires. It was 50,000 okay. volts. 50,000 volts. I, that that sounds like a lot to me, but I don't really know. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's why they put the high tension fence in Jurassic Park as a big. Uh, as yeah, a big, maybe so. It kind of. I wonder, it's kind I, wonder, of I, wonder, I wonder how many volts. Let's see. I never volts. thought of that because the T Rex, when the T Rex like pulls down the high tension wires Park. and goes through and comes after everybody. Park. It's kind of uh, a remake of that's a little bit. Oh, 10,000 volts. 10,000 uh, volts, what? In, in Jurassic Park, the, uh, the fence was supposedly 10,000 volts. Well, if 10,000 volts is enough to stop a normal dinosaur, I would go with 50 to stop 50,000 volts would, would tor- typically kill one, except he just kind of rips through them like, you know, they're not even there. Right. That's when he reveals his atomic breath power, which I we can talk about that later. I don't know what that's supposed to be. I don't know what he's <laughs> supposed to be breathing. Is it heat? Is it heated mist from, from being atomic inside? I, I don't know what's supposed to be I think, happening. I think- I think yes to everything you just just suggested. <laughs> okay, so don't everything. ask any questions. <laughs> if it was Godzilla, if, don't this, ask if this is a colorized movie, it would be like blue and green, 
in red, right. like everything. Yeah. Yes. Everything. Apparently when he shoots his atomic breath and his, his uh, spines on his back light up, apparently that was a very difficult animation to do from, right. from what I was reading. Right. That, that took quite a bit of work, which makes sense. You know, if you think about it, um, I don't think they could have gotten away with any of these special effects in color. I think this is a black and white only kind of situation. Although yeah. When I was a little kid, I watched lots of Godzilla movies that were just a guy in a suit and the special effects were terrible. And I just loved it. I didn't care. <laughs> He's walking around, you know, knocking stuff over and, and stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I, I was I was talking about watching this when I was a little kid. But even before that, when I first mm-hmm. got hooked on the Godzilla movies and, and, you know, monster kaiju movies in general, there was a week and I, I could not have been older than four and there was a week on TV where every day at 1 p.m. they would play a Godzilla movie. That week is burned in my mind for the rest of my life because I was just wow. anticipating every day, like waiting for this movie. Because kids and younger people, millennials out there, you didn't used to be able to just choose what you could watch. There were, <laughs> right. there were four right. stations. If yeah. you were lucky, if you lived in a big city, there were four stations. Yeah, no choice. You just watched what was on. And right. Godzilla movies was just amazing to me. I couldn't believe what a great thing that was. And I watched all five of the movies and loved it and still remember it to this day. But yeah. And, it's, you know, like I said, special effects weren't great, but something about that just hooked me when I was a little kid. I just loved it. Right. Yeah. You're trying not to spoil it, but you're leaving out the ending. No, I am. That's so, right. The synopsis, as usual, I digressed and completely lost the synopsis. Yeah, that's OK. That's right. So, so yeah. Uh, so I got up to they try to get him with the high tension wires. That doesn't work. Goes into the city. Just just lays waste to Tokyo. I mean, kills who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people, the whole city's burning and on fire. And uh, then they send planes after him and the planes shoot at him. And he, I, I guess he gets kind of annoyed by the planes. And so he goes to sleep again in the bay. Yeah. So he just goes in the, back into the water. And it turns out there's a scientist, uh, not sec. I, I keep wanting to call him Seki Gahara, but that's the name of a famous battle in Japanese history. But it's okay. let's just say it's something like that. Shin Kazawa or something along those lines. Sure. <laughs> and he he has invented this you know weapon of mass destruction called the oxygen destroyer. And right. he lets it out that he's got it because it's a desperate situation. And very much like at the end of Terminator 2, he decides that he has to be gone because the information's still in his head, even if even if he even if he doesn't release the secrets to anybody, he could always be coerced to let them go. So he burns his notes, goes down to the bottom of the ocean, blows up Godzilla, and cuts his line, and perishes with the monster, and uh, the world is saved until right. two years later when the sequel Godzilla rises again. <laughs> right. Yeah, whatever that one was called. In 1956, it was uh, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Godzilla King of Monsters is the American version of this oh, film. Were you saying the, the 56 the Japanese Japan. one? Yeah. yeah these, are, these are like Mario Brothers. There's always yeah. like, we're just getting the last one at the same time they're getting the sequel already. That's pretty much the story. I don't know. Did I miss anything? I don't know. No, that was it. I mean, there's some subplots. There's, uh, you know, there's a love interest. There's a paleontologist. What, is there a love triangle in this story? Yeah. What, so, what's going on there? I didn't so you follow have that. Pale- the paleontologist. Okay. Okay, and and he's called in by the Japanese government to try to figure out what this thing is and blah blah blah. How many paleontologists are on call for the for the government? To you know, we've got we've got <laughs> we've got a scientific crisis. Quick, call a paleontologist anyway. So yeah, uh, he, yeah. yeah he, out of all the scientists, he's the one they call, not a physicist. You know, he, they call it anyway. Every single thing he says about paleontology and dinosaurs and all everything is nonsense. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolute absolutely nonsense. Like, but, but you know what re- redeems him for that is that he has a hot daughter. Okay. And so right. uh, his, his yes, hot so. daughter is supposed to be wed to a one-eyed scientist who's his colleague. Um, the okay. the gentleman, okay. gentleman whose okay. name you cannot pronounce or remember. She's in love with the captain of a salvage boat of all things. Of course. Of course, uh, who who will play a prom- I mean, prominent role? Eyes. Yeah, yeah, he has two eyes exactly. He's got that going for him, right? So, so that's the love kind of triangle going on there. So uh, she goes to see him, and 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 initially was going to tell him that that it's off, and he freaks her out by by showing her his big invention. You thought I was going to go a different right. direction, I'm sure. Um, and no. then uh, yeah, mm-hmm. she was uh, freaked out by his invention and runs off. We don't get to see what it is. 
we just know that she runs screaming from the lab and we're going, what just right. happened there? Yeah. In any case, turns out to be the oxygen destroyer, whatever stupid name they give it. What's funny is that's like an English. That probably name. sounds cool in Japanese. Well, it wasn't Japanese though. It was, it, it would be like Japanese, Japanese, oxygen destroyer. Song. Oh, was it? Japanese, oh. Japanese. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> that terrible. Was ter- it oh, was that's terrible. So, oxygen um, the destroyer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. By yeah, the way, this is, uh, you can, you can view the original 54 uh, for free on youtube if you happen to have youtube it's it's oh, okay part of the youtube okay. movie channel but it's it's free it has ads in it but um so that was sort of a subplot in there i mean you have to have some some type of love interest i mean you, you know, follow the rules of storytelling roger ebert had some complaints about this story uh he mm-hmm. didn't really like this movie he said something Did- about and now i don't know why he would have been re- he, he wasn't working in 1956 i don't think but yeah anyway, it must have reviewed there was, well after there the was a review i think it, i think it had lots of theatrical re-releases but yeah he was complaining about the complete lack of any compelling characters and i was like nah, he's not wrong it, it, i think he's not wrong there there's a lot of, there's a lot of other things going on in this yeah. movie yeah. but i watched this i watched this with my kids and my little girl especially was having trouble like sticking it out and watching the whole thing because there really wasn't much going on people wise there were some the disaster stuff that were showing like families being destroyed and things like she was kind of compelled by that. But the, the characters were almost like taking place in a different room until the very end. They're they're much more closely involved with. I realize this is where Spielberg got his his notes from. Like you don't show the monster until the end. Um, right. Because you don't you don't right. see you don't see Godzilla until the last half of the movie. There's people they look and they scream and they're like, oh, my gosh, what's that? And you see a big footprint and you see destruction. Mm-hmm everything else but you never see the monster so it's it's all the tension created by that i think so what they did you know they like spielberg and jaws so this and jaws could be the same same movie think about it the same yeah, movie. there's i i, I had that thought. There, and there's the scene where they're all having the big town meeting yeah and they're arguing exactly. they're like they're like hey we can't we can't like just announce that there's a nuclear monster running around attacking everybody that's <laughs> right, right. going to hurt our and they look around like someone's looking at them Diploma- diplomatic relations we won't say <laughs> right. whom we yeah. won't say yeah. who's probably who created the situation but right, somebody's right. going to have their feelings hurt if we complain right. so but it's a, it's the same movie you got it's a monster a big monster it's oversized outsized and it's you know we don't know why it's attacking we don't we don't it's just that's what it does it's and just how attacks. does jaws die how does Jaws yeah. die? Yep, gets blown up and and by oxygen. Blown tank, up, right? By an oxygen tank. Yeah, I just so, realized that right yeah. now. Yeah, and so so wow. you know it's the same thing. Like you you don't see the creature, the entire creature, until the very end of the movie, right? right? So this is you know, and that's what Spielberg's thing is. Like that's what when you Spielbergize a movie, you know, especially a monster yeah. movie, it means that you 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 allude to how big it is, you know, you, it's all menacing and stuff like that until the very end. And then you yeah. get to see that, like, and so it's that tension created by you're not seeing it. So it's your imagination that's, that's creating it. And they, they do, I, when I watched this, I was like this, they do a really good job. And this is exactly where Spielberg got it from, you know, but the difference is that Spielberg, like in Jaws, between the time of, you know, when the shark first kills that one, you know, the lady, uh, very pretty nude woman at the very beginning. Chrissy. And yeah. And, and then you, you see him towards the end, he develops, you know, the sheriff and, and all these characters in the movie and the mayor. And, and, and so you right. get to know all these characters and stuff. And they're, I mean, he doesn't sit there and, and like, you know, sit you down and tell you all about them, but like he develops them. Right. And not to get too much into Jaws, but mm-hmm. have you ever read the book? No. Blenchy's original. Book, no, I never did. In the book, there's a love triangle. between oh, Hooper. Hooper, Brody's wife, and Brody have a love triangle. Really? So I didn't know that. It's I, I, Maybe Peter Benchley even was taking something from Jaws huh. when he wrote uh, Sorry, from Godzilla when he wrote the book. Godzilla, yeah. But um, yeah, maybe. I, that's, it's a really strong correlation. It's something I, it's, 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 it's starting to become my biggest surprise how much those yeah. two movies, because I did write it down. The thing with the meeting where they had the town meeting, or I guess it's a parliament meeting. It's a meeting of yeah. parliament. The parliament meeting is very much like the bit where they have the town meeting and Jaws right. and everybody's concerned yeah. about letting the, cho- the chalkboard scene. The, the chalkboard. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't have an analogy, an analogy Quinn. to that. This, but, yeah, we don't, yeah. we don't have a, we don't have a Quinn. I guess, I guess the one-eyed mad one-eyed scientist is, is as much like Quinn as, as we get. Or Quint. Yeah, Quint Hooper, is his name. 
Hooper and Quint kind of get turned into two different people in Godzilla. Well, it's really, I could, I could, I guess I could go on for a long time about the relations between these two movies, but um, it's Spielberg's acknowledged getting a lot for Jurassic Park from this movie, which I don't really see quite as much. I mean, it's an well, island. Well, he dynasty. does, he does, he does the same thing for because the T Rex is the big monster in right. Jurassic Park, right? Pretty much, yeah. But, pretty much. but you don't really see him. You see the, you hear the thump. I mean, mm-hmm. just like like this had the thumps from yep. his footsteps, yep. right? Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, that's this did. True. Um, and then it had, uh, you know, so in, in Jurassic Park, you have the thumps and the tremors, and there's all this stuff that happens. You hear it, you, and then you finally see him, and he's like really loud. Um, hey, by the way, while while we're while you're doing something, let's start with the uh-huh. drink. We haven't okay. even gotten the drinks though. Uh, I was not creative on this one. I went with sake, <laughs> being as it's from Japan. Sake. Uh-huh. I was trying to remember. We had something. I guess when we did Enter the Dragon, we drank soju because we couldn't find Chinese rice wine. But, did, but oh, this that's is right. Essential. Yeah. Didn't we have like a Japanese beer for Akira? I can't remember. That seems about. Maybe we had. Sapporo or, or Kirin or something. I don't know. I don't remember. It's there's too many. There's too many episodes. <laughs> it's been a lot. All right. So what do you what do you have? I've got uh, the only kind of sake they had, which is Ichika. Ichiko. Sorry. Ichiko. Look, can I see the bottle? Yes. I think it's pretty standard. I don't even think this is the first time I've had this kind. Ichiko. Of oh, okay. Interesting. There's a section at the liquor store here in Virginia, which is a whole bunch of soju, like lots of different kinds of soju, because there's lots of Korean people here. But there are. Yeah, yeah. You know, not many people of Japanese extraction in this. Interesting. Area. I'm having shochiku bai. So did right you have lots of lots to choose from? I actually did. Yeah, I went to uh, yeah. two cans, which is kind of like a little independent grocers here here in town. Nice. They had quite a That's few different cool. bottles. You know, I don't know if I could have bought. I we have um, state controlled liquor stores here, where uh-huh. it's the only place you can buy spirits. So yeah. I don't know if I actually could have gotten sake at the grocery store. Now that I think of it, it's wine. So... I bet you could. I bet I could have. I bet I Actually, could have can, can, I, can I blow your mind real quick? Sure. This is beer, my friend. What, we talked about this before, darn it. Yeah, we did. What was the... Yeah. What was the so uh, beers, beers are made out of grains. Okay. That's uh, what it is. Wines are made out of fruit. Right, 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 right. So uh, this, is, uh, this is rice, which last time I checked was a grain. That's right. That is I mean, oh, I'm no paleontologist, but I know things. 5% alcohol by volume. That is extremely easy to drink. It's very smooth. Man, you got a powerful one. I only got 15%. I guess I, is it 25 or does that say 23? My old eyes can't focus anymore. No, it's 25% alcohol, but wow. Man, you got you got a you got a pretty strong one. Mine's mine's nothing. Mine's only it's a good, you know, it's a good drink. It's um it is a good drink. There, there's I think one of the worst things that ever happened to Saki was James Bond. Okay. I can't and I can't remember which episode or which episode, which movie it was, but it's a Sean Connery. When they tried to make him look Japanese, I mean, just terrible by any day's standards. Movie. Um, oh, are you not talking about Rising Sun? No, no, no. It was it was a James Bond movie with Sean Connery as oh. James Bond. So you only live twice. Released in '67. They actually one of the worst things that ever happened in film was uh, John Wayne played Genghis oh, yeah. Khan. Genghis Khan. Okay. Yes. Well, yes, well, yes. Sean Connery. They tried to make him look Japanese. Sean Connery. Uh huh. Mr. Scotland, and they they gave you know they like trimmed his eyebrows, trimmed his hairs, just terrible. This is the worst thing ever. Why? Anyway, so you only live twice was the name of that movie. So it's set in Japan, like there's a bad guy in Japan or something. You know, she asks if he wants sake, and he and he sips it, and he's like, and this is my my Sean Connery. He's like, yeah, should it served at the appropriate ninety eight point six degrees or something stupid like that, right? Which right. is completely wrong. Uh, sake should be served pretty much room temperature. Because yeah. you can actually taste it. If it's served hot, you can't taste anything. There's there's no taste to it. So I, I, I have had it served hot, but yeah, you don't taste anything. It's you might as well hmm. be drinking water. It's just hot water. No, when you taste it like room temperature, you actually get the the nuances and the flavors and stuff like that. So so Sean Connery trying to look Japanese and the Genghis Khan thing reminds me of. So I was thinking to myself as I was reading this, they said. American audiences just would have had no interest in a Japanese film. They had to do the Raymond Burr thing. Um, so, and I was thinking, is that, I was like, is that really true? Would they really? And then I was thinking about Breakfast at Tiffany's and Mickey Rooney. Yeah. And, oh, Breakfast God. At Tiffany's. and I was thinking, 
and and Amer- and that's after Godzilla, like ten years yeah. after Godzilla. And I was yeah. thinking, an American audience that was okay with that, yeah. definitely would not have been okay with going to see yeah. a Japanese movie. Like one of the points, and we 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 sort of haven't mentioned this, but so the movie was sort of a a commentary on the nuclear age, very early commentary on the yes. early nuclear age from a from the only people in the entire world who have ever had who have ever succumbed to a nuclear attack right yeah yeah uh, so this yeah. is this is released in 54 so you have less than 10 years ago two of their biggest cities had the first and only two atomic weapons dropped on them right mm-hmm. yep um and then there was a fishing boat did you read about that so i actually I think I've mentioned this before. I did my master's in like weapons of mass destruction and I focused on nuclear weapons. And so like, there's not a lot of nuclear anecdotes that I haven't stumbled across at some point. And as the movie was starting, I was like, oh, this is just like that fishing boat that got caught in the first fusion bomb test. And then reading about the film afterwards, I realized, oh no, that was the inspiration. That was the inspiration, right. It was the beast beast from 20,000 fathoms. And then the the incident with the fishing boat was sort of the right. inspiration that the guy started mulling over this right. film, the idea for this film. So, so we'll, we'll tell readers there was a there was a fishing boat, a Japanese fishing boat, mm-hmm. which got caught right outside the boundaries from Bikini Atoll uh, mm-hmm. during a, a, a nuclear bomb test, right? Mm-hmm. And the first H uh, bomb test. Ever. Yeah, the first H bomb test. And so they're, they're outside what was considered the danger zone. And there are these Japanese, I think there's 20 Japanese sailors on this, on this fishing vessel. And they're watching as this white ash is just falling from the sky. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be like bits of coral and stuff like that. Uh, sand that was, you know, and it was all irradiated. You know, it was landing like snow. And, and these guys had no idea what it was because it was just, you know, it's just falling like it was snow. Well, why some, would of you? Ta- yeah, you know. some of them tasted it, you know. They collected it with bare hands and put it in satchels. Hey, this is kind of cool. Yeah. By the, you know, by that night, they were already suffering from radiation sickness. They had like their hair was falling out. They're, you know, they're turning red. They're getting ulcers all over their body. Uh, they roll into to port 14 days later and all of them are sick and on death's door. The uh, hospital kind of identifies what's going on. Call for the Americans. Uh, the Americans show up and, proceed to study them instead of really helping them. Nice. I mean, I, I laugh because it's so terrible. I and mean, it's just something terrible that, you know, it's just one of those black marks on, on our history. And yeah, so these guys, these guys, you know, the rest of their lives, they had, you know, radiation sickness. It was the same sitting out. Now doctors, what was interesting about it was doctors sort of immediately recognized what was going on because of Nagasaki and they Hiroshima. Lot, right? yeah, they, yeah. They're like, this is exactly like what happened to those people. And so that's why they called, uh, the U.S. like embassy, they said, "Hey, you know what's going on here?" But that was the the the, the fishing boat sort of story, and and so this thing of nuclear anecdotes. I, I, mm-hmm. I hate to interrupt you, but it's just I'm going to forget about this. We were talking about Genghis Khan and the production mm-hmm. of Genghis Khan, and apparently mm-hmm. during the production of Genghis Khan, there were so many nuclear bomb tests going on in the Nevada desert where they filmed the Genghis Khan film. And that's where huh? John Wayne got cancer. A lot of people think really. From those bomb tests, yeah. How interesting. They used to set off the bombs within like visible range from Las Vegas. People would yeah, go I on remember, the top. Yeah, of I knew that. Watch, watch the test going yeah. off in the distance. There's actually there's a, still a great bar in Las Vegas called uh, Atomic Liquors, cool. and it was so named because you could they would they would have people you know sit on the rooftop and watch the the uh, mushroom clouds in the distance and and sip I, what they called atomic cocktail. I have to admit, um, I would definitely want to see such a thing. That would be very compelling to me. That would be pretty thing. cool. Yeah. Well, I'll, I will say this: the bar—that's probably one of the best bars in the world. Um, awesome. It's it's, it's a fantastic time. bar. I didn't realize uh, that. I'm going to go there the next time I'm in Vegas. That's really cool. Yeah. Atomic Liquors. Well, there we go. There's our sort of uh, realms of expertise up, butting up against each other. You know all the <laughs> bars, and you know right. I, I got the nuclear anecdotes. Yeah, you got the nuclear stuff, yeah. As an allegory about the time, mm-hmm. you know, it's such it's such an interesting. You think about it, and like an American could never make this movie because we didn't have that experience. We didn't have that; it, that didn't happen to us, right? Right. Um, right. This is fresh in the memory, and and it, and they reference it: people being irradiated and radiation, and and Nagasaki and Hiroshima. They actually reference it in the movie, and it, which is really weird to see. Like you know, I, I, um, I noticed that in in a lot of ways, Godzilla is an allegory mm-hmm. for, 
nuclear fear about the future and also Japan's experience of having been through nuclear attack in the past. But I also was thinking they couldn't have made a movie about what happened at Hiroshima. Nobody right. would have wanted to see such a thing. Yeah. If you, right. But if you dress it up in like a dinosaur attack, there were yeah. images in this film that were right out of the Hiroshima bombing. There were, I, I'm not even sure some of it wasn't <laughs> stock footage from after right. the bomb. And there were bits, you yeah. know, all the people in the hospital and things like that. And, the, you know, the, the, as to some extent, I think it was almost like an attempt to make a movie a little bit about it as much as you possibly could have. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I, I you know, I didn't I didn't delve enough into the the creator's background i should have but you know mm -hmm. he obviously you know used that as sort of a, a, a as a backdrop but maybe he was maybe he already had that in mind and he was just looking for like what's a vehicle that i could use to talk about this type of stuff and they kind of came upon this the backstory of this is is their production company had planned a indonesian japanese mm -hmm. joint venture about uh, an octopus like a giant sea creature right yeah, that was sinking yeah. ships and stuff, and that deal fell through. And so, apparently, on his way, literally on his plane flight back to Tokyo from Indonesia, he thought up Godzilla. You know, we'll just do it ourselves. Right. Came up with this idea. It was written in like a week. You know, there's a forty-page, uh, um, yeah. you know, full thing written within a week. You got to think that, like, collectively, the consciousness of Japan. You know, so many things would probably be directed towards that. You know, yeah. here we're a conquered people. We we had these things dropped on us, and you know, there the the country that did that is experimenting with these same weapons less right. than a thousand miles away from our yeah. shores, you know, in the ocean. Yeah. And I mean, it's just it's it's something we could never grasp, right? Now that I think about it, it must be like the collective memory or thoughts of like slavery for like the black community, especially yeah. in the fifties, like that, you know, they're not very far removed from it. Like their grandparents experienced it. Right. Yeah. 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 You know? And, and yeah, so, and so. so it's, it's something that just, we could never kind of grasp or think about the, the, the people like, making this film. It, it's not about their grandparents. It's like they lived through it themselves. Most of them probably fought in the Japanese mm. army during the war. Yeah. The, these, yeah, absolutely. These people. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You know, when and, I was, when I was growing up, my mom, my mom had a gallery. She always, she still had a gallery up till the end of her life, but she had a, an art gallery. And one of her painters when she was uh, first starting the place was Japanese and she was from Hiroshima and she had wow. been there when she was a little girl and she, she, yeah. she um, survived, but she was, she was in in the in the blast i mean she ended up dying of leukemia in her 50s i think but she definitely was wow. you know had been there at the time and stuff so i remember meeting her and yeah. it was very strange i was like okay so that's like a real thing that happened that's not right you know, right yeah absolutely piece of history. and that, that i and this is kind of a non sequitur but the, the the 20 fishermen they actually tracked all 20 of those fishermen and they know what, what happened to them and a bunch of them died of cirrhosis of the liver, which is kind of weird. And I think that, you know, but a lot of them just died with various things. That wasn't just the sake? Like for I don't know. It might, might have been. The last gentleman, though, who passed away, uh, died when he was 92 years old. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was like, this dude is probably the toughest guy on earth. I mean, think about it. This guy was yeah. literally ir irradiated you know, yeah. from the first H-bomb. That particular fisherman, I mean, had he not been irradiated, would he have lived to 150? You know, I mean, 90, 92 years old after all of that. A lot of the oldest people in the world are Japanese, right? I mean, they're, that's you know, true. No, that's, that's very true. Yeah. Lot. I don't yeah, know what the true. theory behind it is, but there's definitely some long lived people in Japan. I, I will say that I think probably, if not the best, one of the all time top best animal roars, like oh, yeah. mon monster roars in oh, the world. Yeah. And I, I've got them queued up. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to play it for that's you real one. quick. Just bear with me for just a moment here. So original Godzilla roar. We ready? Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. You know, the, the, yeah. actually, the, the roar from Jurassic Park is pretty solid, too. I have to yeah, I've got, I've got that queued up, too. So give me just a minute. Yeah, uh, that's let's a nice get this, Let's get this ad. Okay. Ready?
that's awesome. Yeah, I think it? that's some of the that's some of the greatest like foley work, you know, pre-computer foley right. work that I think of ever that there is. I mean, that's just a classic that, sound. It's very powerful. Would that it sounds box, like nothing on earth, you know? Yeah, that would scare the absolute bejesus out of me, you know. Uh, okay, so this is Jurassic Park T-Rex classic roar, right? This is from the 93, the original. Right. Uh, okay, we got we got Lex. There's a roar, a little bit of a roar. A little bit of a snarl here. A really good one is, yeah. He's, yep, turn the light yeah. off. Turn the light off. Turn the light off. Anybody who's interested can refer. We we did an episode on this uh, on this film in the past. Yes, pretty good yes, one. we did, didn't we? Ice pick cocktail. Here we go. Ready? Another low roar. Now he's gonna try to scare the kids. Give them both barrels, T Rex. growling a little bit. Yep. Come on, do it. Do it. Come on. Come on. Oh, the pupil scene is pretty cool. I don't know. There's a little bit of similarity. Hold on just a minute. There's definitely a similarity. There's a... um. Ready? Yeah, there's absolutely so was, a similarity. Yeah, no question about it. So basically, Steven Spielberg rips everything off. That's what that's what we're saying, right? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> there's a lot of people that rip things off. I mean, Japanese film, I think, was very fertile in this particular time period. Like, did you see yeah. what Godzilla lost Best Picture to in Japan in the Japanese no. Awards that year? No. It lost Seven, Best Picture to Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Okay, yeah. So I was say while it. this while this movie was coming out, Akira Kurosawa was dropping these classic films at the same yeah. time. You know that spawned Magnificent Seven and Star we've got, Wars. We've got we've got to do that at some point. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm down. Let's do it. I'm absolutely down. That'd be great. I saw it years and years ago. Big. I was a big Toshiro Mifune fan when I was a kid. I liked him a lot. Yeah. Great, him great movie. Walking around scratching his beard and just being yeah. just being an absolute amazing ba like yeah cool. he, he had the uh like the long sword right like the super like i think long he's sword got was... the full doesn't he have the full dice show he has the both or does he just have just have the the katana well, which one i'm thinking i'm thinking of the short the the guy that um the kid i guess is the one i'm thinking of the one with the really super long sword oh okay that yeah, that Mafune is uh, the guy with the little beard and, and he's just very quiet. He's he's actually more. What is the one that? Oh, Yojimbo is the one where he's just amazing. Yojimbo is the basis yeah. for um for the Clint Eastwood movies. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. The, what's the what's the one we did? We, we did Yojimbo. Fistful of Dollars uh, is Yojimbo. Fistful of Dollars, yeah. Yeah. There's actually. It's not what actually, we did. We did, is, we did the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, uh, again, a total non sequitur. There is actually a Usagi Yojimbo. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, yes, Usagi Yojimbo, the rabbit rabbit bodyguard. The yes, rabbit, yeah, rabbit samurai. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, he was. He was a a, a friend slash enemy of the Ninja Turtles, as I recall. Yes, he was. Do you know how much number one of that comic book? It's like twelve hundred dollars now, because I guess Usagi Netflix. Usagi Yojimbo, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think Netflix I is uh, Netflix is doing a doing an animated uh, show. I had a toy of Usagi Yojimbo. Does that, does that, does that work? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that. I don't know if that counts. Okay. Let's talk about the special effects on this one. I think it's pretty notable to some extent. Like I, I, I show my kids. I'm, I'm a pretty mean dad. I show my kids some of these classic black and white films sometimes. Uh -huh. Which don't tell CPS that I do that because I think I might, I might get in trouble for that. But we watch King Kong. Mm -hmm. And I think the special effects on King Kong are just absolutely remarkable. Like they mm -hmm. just really hold up. Godzilla. Yeah has its moments where it's awesome but it does not it does not hold up the same way as king kong and king kong is a much earlier film and that's not to say i don't think that they did an amazing job with the godzilla effects mm -hmm. but there's a couple like he popped up over that hill which i remember being a really scary scene when i was a little kid mm -hmm. and my little girl was like he looks like a puppet and i was like yeah he does look like a puppet you're not, you're <laughs> yeah. not wrong Another thing is when I remember the video quality of like the lousy tube TVs that we had back in the day was not, yeah. like, you know, we, you watch this on a, on a high def, you know, 4K ultra screen and you're like, oh, that's terrible. Right. Did you ever actually have a black and white TV when you were a kid? I did. Yeah, I, I, did. Did I had too. one in my room. Yeah, in my, my bedroom, that was my TV. It was a black and white TV in my bedroom. I could yeah. have it. We had the family color TV in the family room, the one that you could like put things on yeah, like it was a piece, right, right. piece of furniture 
And then yep. there was a crummy old black and white TV in the basement. It was like, if anybody yeah. wanted to watch. And so my parents would let me go down there and watch. I just watched shows by myself. Um, yeah. Well, and that's what I had. I had like a 12 inch black and white TV in my bedroom. There was still quite a bit of black and programming on TV. Like I love Lucy. And there was like things like the monsters was yeah. on. There were yeah, a lot right? of things that were in black all, and white. The so. But there was a lot of, like, I was all a the lot anim- more accustomed all the animated to stuff. Like, G.I. Joe was always black and white for me. And then uh, Robotech, oh, when I watched yeah, Robotech, yeah. it was always black and white for me. So, well, that's just, but, that's just sad. That, that, those right. things were, those things were a lot of what was good about I them. Color. Really I didn't get sad. to watch that stuff at all, though. I was never allowed to have TV on Saturday morning. But, uh, boo. So, King Kong was basically, it was all stop motion. And this was supposed to be stop motion right. at first, but they, they ran out of time and, and budget to do it. Because you got the statistic on how, on how long that they calculated it would have taken to do this film and stop motion as originally yeah. planned. Yeah. Seven years yeah, with the staff years, that they exactly. had available. At, is it Toho? Is it Toho or Toho? It Toho yeah, Studio? Yeah. yeah Toho, Toho, huh? Toho Studios would have taken seven years with the staff that they mm-hmm. had to complete the movie, which. Right. So, I mean, yeah, because stop, stop motion is incredibly time intensive. They actually pioneered suitmation as they call it. Yeah. Which, you know, suit-mation, just put a guy right. in a monster suit and, and, you know, you got Creature from the Black Lagoon and following this, which is the same thing. Let's just put on a suit. And so this one, though, you know, because he's supposed to be 50 meters tall. This one was he had a scale model of Tokyo and houses and everything else. And yeah. him just walking around and kicking it over. And there, there are photographs that show you like behind the scenes as they were filming it. And it's terrible. But once they do the lighting and once they, you know you know, do the camera angles and stuff. And it doesn't look too bad. It's actually pretty good. No, no, it looks cool. Um, It looks cool. I don't think there's a, again, Spielberg move here. I don't think there is one shot of him complete, like from his feet to his, to the top of his head. I don't think there's one shot. They had problems with it because the suit, they put together the suit and nobody could wear it. Right. So they had to go back to the drawing board and had one guy who could wear the suit for periods of up to two minutes before he would pass out from water right. and sweat right. loss and stuff. Right. And then they built a half version of the suit, which I imagine is mostly what's getting used. I think you can right. see in the scene where he attacks the train and in the scene where he goes after the power lines, I think is is the most full yeah, uh, I full think you're frontal right. yeah. Godzilla that you yeah. get in the whole film. Um, yeah. And I think you can mostly see, because you can see his feet, I think a couple of times and stuff, but they probably put the yeah. guy in the suit and just had him stomp and then and then took it away. They had one poor guy film entire scenes and work, you know, over and over. And they were just like, you're just too out of shape and it looks terrible. Like we're just cutting <laughs> all of the stuff that you did. The guy but tortured it, it, himself it all, for weeks. But it all looks terrible and they all look out of shape. I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, there, I read one part that there is, you know, that the one of the people that was wearing the suit, he was like a, a judo expert and that. And that, uh, you know, helped him in the fight scenes. And I was like, are you out of your yeah. mind? <laughs> what are you talking about? He's flailing around, you know. Maybe uh, one of the later ones where he's fighting maybe. Ghidorah or something. I don't yeah, maybe. know. Maybe. I don't know. But it was... So my kids my kids had a couple of decent quips while they were watching the movie. There was, there was a, there's one part where Godzilla's walking through the city and he uh-huh. takes his tail and like smashes some famous building that's in the middle of Tokyo. I couldn't tell you what the heck it was. And my little girl was like, she was like, oh, Godzilla's just happy. He didn't mean to do that. He was just wagging his tail. And then, <laughs> right, right. And then there was a bit where he's in Tokyo Bay and the planes are coming after him. Yeah. And they're shooting off these rockets and like nothing and missing hits. Him. Missing nothing him every hits. time. And my, yeah. my son was like, are they having the one-eyed guy fly these planes? Because these guys <laughs> can't shoot at all. Right. Yeah, well, it was pretty obvious that basically they're just shooting off Roman candles past yeah. him, right? Yes. And like none of these yes. rockets or whatever are hitting. And eventually, like the very last scene, he's kind of flailing his arms like, ah, go away, planes. But he it was nothing. And that was, you know, that was obviously inspired from King, you know, by King Kong, I think. But there was a lot. There was a lot of King yeah. Kong. The, the village yeah, really they go was. to, the yep. villagers dancing and then the walking into the town and stuff like that. I, I was like, that's a shot from King Kong. I, it's not, it hasn't been that long since I saw King mm-hmm. Kong. That's the ship that they go on onto looks yep. just like the ship from king kong yeah. there's a bit where she's she's the the main woman and the man are standing on the deck of the ship and and she's talking to him and he's wearing the same uniform that um that the captain wears in, in king kong and there's mm-hmm. quite a bit uh there's the dinosaur in king kong the t-rex yeah yeah it's probably i mean 
without question the first awesome t-rex in movie history because that's pretty right, good right. i think that yeah, one that still one. stands up that one that one looks awesome yeah king kong leads into this and this leads into jaws and jaws yeah. leads into you know i mean it's just these things are always given back to each other it's just amazing like how much how, you know how much the, the arts just lead into each other nobody's really yeah. stealing from anybody else it's really just it's great i mean it just enriches everybody to have all this stuff go back and yeah forth. well i mean just like you have you can only have so many chords you know, in music, I think you only have so many plots and twists and things like that and in film and stories, you know, you know, they got in trouble apparently when they were scouting locations for the film, mm -hmm. the crews were going around talking. They were like, okay, so the building's going to fall down like this. And this part of the building's going to explode. And the cops overheard them. And they were like, Hey, what are you talking about? The building's going <laughs> to explode. Yeah. I was like, Oh, you definitely wouldn't get away with that in uh, 2022. No. Yeah. We don't allow people. Everything to was kind of everything was kind of gorilla back then. I mean, oh, which which reminds me. So his original uh -huh. name Gojira. I was gonna say. Gojira. I was gonna say. It means gorilla whale. I love that. Gorilla whale. Gojira. Gorilla whale. But there's yeah, what I, I don't understand cool. about what I don't understand about that. That I saw that as well. Gojira. It's Kujira means whale, and and gorilla is is gorilla, and mm -hmm. they put those two together, and I was like, okay, great. And then there's this whole historiography of trying to find out where the name Godzilla comes from, because apparently there was a guy who worked in the studio who was like six foot five, 300 pounds, and everybody called him the gorilla. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, he walks like we want Godzilla to walk. So they started calling the creature the gorilla because of that. And then there's a whole other etymology. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, like there, the history there, of how the, the history of the name yeah. is, has been lost to time. Well, like there, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of origin tales on that. Yeah, um, exactly. There's one yeah. where they like, they, there's one tale and I think it was Subur, Suburaya, Suburaya's wife, okay. Suburaya. So he's like the creator says like they, they actually met for like days and days to try to figure out the name and blah, blah, blah. And, and then there's yeah. another one, you know, another one. It's, so there's like all these different origin tales. Yeah. And, and uh, it's but, amazing how these things get lost to time because it's like the way real history used to be written, like important events used to be the history of them would be written this way where everything, you know, like if you get into the historiography of, I don't know, like the beginnings of Islam or Christianity or something, it's very similar. It's like everyone's arguing about like, oh, no, this is how it happened. And this is how it happened because no one knew it was going to be important. Right. Right. You know? No one knew at the time, 100 years from now, this is going to be a world empire. So we need sure. to know what. And it's like Godzilla. They were just like, we're just making this crappy movie. Who cares? So yeah, were yeah. we talking about how they lost the tapes to um, Doctor Who in, in the old days on the BBC? They used to they used to we've talked about that, yeah. They used to broadcast Doctor Who and then throw away or, or no, write they over erase the it. They would yeah. erase them and then yeah. put a new one because tape was expensive. Can you yeah. imagine? Like, uh, how expensive could tape have possibly been? I, they were just I think the moon. Them. I think the moon landings are the same way though. From well, that's because they didn't actually happen, right? I mean. That's, that's, that's why they're written over because we don't want we don't want anybody to access the actual right yeah that's what that's what it is yeah this was it but, was filmed uh, with suitmation and yeah that's true yeah it might have been godzilla who knows i mean suitmation oh. as a cheesy special effect my mm -hmm. little brother watched a ton of power rangers in the 90s yeah. and that was and that's what still it is suitmation yeah. i don't know if they're that's... doing suitmation today or if they do it's as a as a hokey throwback maybe yeah but that's that's a long lasting weird technology that that managed to be a, a special well i think you, you can get more complex suits though like robocop yeah. was a suit nation like robocop himself not the ed209 is stop motion. yeah ed209 yeah. is 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 a computer but or stop motion but the actual robocop you know that's a suit right and he's sure. just wearing it sure. he's just wearing a suit makes him bigger and everything else oh famous suits in movie history this one reminded me of predator because there's all these yeah. stories about the yeah, predator, predator suit Jean-Claude Van Damme was on the film and he was yeah. like, no human being can move inside this suit. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm as, yeah. I'm, I'm as amazing of an athlete as exists and no one can do this. Nobody and can he, do this. Right? And he quit, he quit the film and some other guy tried it and like broke his back. You know, yeah. Trying to well, and then, it. and then the, and the, by the same cord, you've got the alien suit as well. In the original alien, oh, yeah. you know, oh, was there uh, actually was a, a person in that? Yeah. There was a guy in a suit. Okay. He was like, he, the dude was like, seven foot three or seven foot four or something is just super tall he was, he's british and he was like the super tall skinny uh guy that they that that he put in the the alien suit and uh like super spindly had like like long arms and legs and stuff yeah so that was absolutely that was a suit 
So I think Sumation, it's still there. I mean, you could argue Chewbacca, C-3PO, R2-D2. Yeah, I, I, you know? I guess I meant the... Um... The, the suitmation, putting putting a guy in a suit and then using forced perspective to make it look like a gigantic creature is mm-hmm. kind of a sim- pretty simple trick. Um, but it's it, it lasted, the, you know, up until now where we just CGI things like that. We're just like, yeah, that's we'll, true. Yeah. We'll Very just true. make a CGI Godzilla stepping on New York. Yeah. We don't have to actually film it. <laughs> that's true. It's kind of sad in a lot of ways, if you think about it. Yeah, well, um, nothing lasts forever. Okay, so I think we're at that time, man. So my biggest surprise... The Raymond Burr thing was kind of a big deal. The tie-ins to Jaws are kind of a big deal for me. The Raymond Burr thing was a big surprise. I sat down to watch this movie expecting the Raymond Burr film. I was very surprised that that was not what I saw. But, you know, that's not a big deal. I was surprised, looking back on it, I was surprised that they know about Godzilla. That the Japanese villagers are like, Gojira. They're like, Gojira, Mm. he's this creature that lives in the ocean that comes out and eats everybody every once in a while. I was like, Wait a minute, I thought the atomic bombs created Godzilla. <laughs> right, right. They just made Godzilla right. worse or something. Well, that's a good, that's a good point. Like, yeah, that's not that's not what you would call continuity mm-mm. in the story, is it? There's wow. some kind of a mistake there. He's talking about the, the, yeah. the crappy paleontologist that thinks dinosaurs lived two million years ago uh-huh. and places T-Rex in the in the Jurassic and just no, seems to know nothing about paleontology. Right. That guy says. It's a marine reptile that evolved. In, it makes no. It just makes absolutely no sense yeah, yeah, what he's talking yeah. about. But he's well, saying he's been, he's been stuck in a cave all this time, right? And and the the nuclear the blast woke him up. Yeah, woke him up and freed him from his tomb or whatever. I think we need to get the writers on the same page because I think we're being. I think there's, <laughs> like you said, there, there's a continuity I, error. I, I think there was well. I, I think it was written in four days or something like that. So I think yeah. it was you know. I, I think they were on a budget. My biggest surprise was that it was sort of a protest film. I, I had no yeah. idea. You know, I, I yeah. had no idea at all. I mean, it was just, um, I thought it was just a monster film. A monster film is, there's a monster. And why yeah. is he attacking the city? Because he's a monster, you know? But no, it's like, yeah. why is he attacking the city? Because the Americans irradiated him by bombing us and, and, and holding more you know, nuclear tests. So I like, knew... I knew it was a metaphor for nuclear yeah. fear, but I, the reason I had, why the reason why I think you, what you're saying is that it's very explicitly about nuclear weapons. Yes, and yeah. I think the reason that both of us are being surprised by that is that that's not in the American version of the movie. It was cut. Well, it's we not. It's not at all. That. Well, and that's why I was saying like only they could make that. Like yeah. if we if we made it, you know, we'd be protesting Three Mile Island or something stupid like that. Like you know, we have we don't yeah. have the experience of having our you know our our loved ones killed by an atom bomb. Only they no. do, you know? And- no, which is why I think the modern Godzilla, the one the mm-hmm. one that, um, not the Matthew Broderick, but the one later, the reboot by Colin Trevorrow, uh-huh. I think that one draws on the imagery of September 11th. It's destroying lower Manhattan, and it looks mm-hmm. like September 11th when things are happening. There's less, mm-hmm. of the, less of the nuclear stuff and more of, well, yeah, Americans actually have experienced a massive disaster like this of buildings falling down in the middle of a major city. And, right. and that's kind of what they're going with, uh, I think, image. For image that office. one, yeah. Because but, that's something um, that hits home for Americans. But clearly, September 11th, as bad as it was, would have been nothing like what happened to Hiroshima. Yeah, exactly. Not even, exactly. Not close, but and, I, you know, and, I, and I'm familiar with metaphors, like with Shelley's you know, Frankenstein, it was... It was mm-hmm you know, a metaphor or, yeah. or it, it was an allegory about science kind of run amok yeah. and, and so forth right. and, and the scientific age. Have but you ever I, seen the I movie just, Forbidden Planet? Oh gosh, it sounds familiar. I think so. Classic, classic science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. And it's, you, they visit this civilization that um, is apparently gone and, and has been destroyed. And it turns out that they learned how to harness the power of their minds and forgot to control the monsters from their own id, which break forth and destroy the whole civilization. Wow. It's a really yeah. cool movie. And That's the cool. metaphor, this is also, I want to say this movie is 1953, 1952. It is mm. a, it's, it's not explicit, but it is a metaphor mm. for, listen, we just created the H-bomb and we are still the same monkey that used to throw rocks yeah. at other monkeys. And so yeah, your, right. it, your it is the same <laughs> killer monkeys, that yeah. always existed, yeah. which is well, a terrific meta. I love that. I love that like you had the Martian Chronicles about this time as well, you know, yeah. which, which is sort of the same thing. Like we, we know, we finally settled it. We, we, you know, we made uh, connections with everybody and then we blow ourselves up with nuclear bombs, you know, and, right. and 
So there's a lot of that stuff going on. But what I think what separates this one from everyone else is this is a society that just had it happen to them. Yes. You know, and there's no, no other people on earth that can, that can claim that, you know? And so there's some kind of lived experience, like catharsis going on here with like, this must've really hit. I mean, can you imagine people that live through Hiroshima and Nagasaki sitting there and watching some of those scenes? That's not right. fun. That's not well. I mean, you're not, not only you're that, not going I mean, to the movies the, to see a dinosaur. Yeah, that's that's right. like horrifying imagery. Well, and you know? I and I, I had thought what you said as well. You know, when when you you saw the cityscape of Tokyo in ruins and and in right. flames and right. stuff. I mean, to me, that's what it that's what it recalled. And I I'm sure that the intent was to recall that. Oh, I think so. Like, like, yeah. so he was a metaphor so. for the nuclear bomb, you yeah. know, exploding on on either one of the, the cities. So when I say he, I, I mean Godzilla. It, right. I guess I should say, because we right. don't. I didn't see anything that told me it was a he or not. Godzilla's pronouns are he, him, for the most part. Is, is how I hear people use them. But we true, he can't, but that can't speak. that scale he can't speak, and he doesn't have a Twitter. Of, he can't tell us that, what he can't tell at, us. At fifty pronouns. at fifty meters high, you would have seen some indicator you if you know what i mean actually but, i think in the 1980 oh there's godzilla in 1985 i think it was i think uh-huh. he's a female i think godzilla is a female well see there that's how that's how they that's how they defeat godzilla in the 85 version is they play the sounds of nesting birds because they think godzilla is trying to find a place to nest and actually uh, in the matthew Broderick oh, that's right version, that's right the matthew and Broderick then, and is then a God, female yeah also. and then yeah. godzilla goes and goes there yeah that's true yep cool yep. So, so I guess it's, it comes down to me. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, this is going to be your vote. I, I, um, I mean, I'm talking about the Met. So Roger Ebert, again, I saw his quotes and he said, he said, this is a bad movie that has earned its place in movie history. I would dispute that it's just throw it away a bad movie, but there's yeah. definitely some aspect of B to this movie. But I, I mean, clearly yeah. the historical place of the film, I think, is unquestioned. And I actually don't think it's that bad of a movie either. I actually think it's kind of there's a lot going on here. It'd be hard to cast it. It'd be hard to just toss it away as a bad movie for me. So, I mean, I, I would definitely vote for it as a classic. So I'll, well, well, I'll leave it up um, to you, though. I think Ebert is I mean, if you can't measure this based on Hollywood movies at the time, Hollywood really did have a monopoly on good acting. You know, in good movies, they they were they were the pioneers and and trail makers in in that. You know, we had all the best actors here, not over there. You know, yeah. if they were the, if they were great actors, they'd be in Hollywood, not in Japan. However, I always look at stuff like what is its influence? You know, what is it spawned? You know, and this is the Godzilla franchise. I mean, how many Godzilla shirts are there in the world right now? You know, yeah. in the middle of nowhere, so, who've never seen the movie, you know, um, not not to interrupt your vote. But there was a sure. there was a quote I saw online that said that the Guinness Book of World Records had this listed as being the longest running movie franchise in history. Uh, I don't know what, what how it, King Kong's been around longer than Godzilla. I don't yeah, I mean, King Kong Godzilla's, what, Godzilla's got a, yeah. a ton more movies. I'll give you that. Yeah. But so I don't know if that's what they're counting. No, but I, I think in I terms think, of in terms of just time, I don't think that's correct. Yeah, I think but. I think you have a good point there. But. I, you know, I, I give it, uh, I give it two thumbs up on, on okay. I'll, I'll, toast, I'll toast this classic because okay. it, it's so influential. I mean, it, okay. It's influential, but it's also to me, it's not this two dimensional monster film. It's not just right. a monster going, you know, for, it, it is sort of a statement from a people who have had something very terrible happen to them. It's a statement by them about that you know, and kind of a warning about it. And there's no, you know, and it's not done with any malfeasance or anything. It's not like, or vindiction. It's not like they were saying, darn you, you know, damn you Americans. No, it really isn't. In fact, I was, I was just thinking about on some level, the whole oxygen destroyer plot, which we didn't really talk about a whole much except the synopsis, but it seems to suggest that they're saying they're asking the question, is it really worth developing this new destructive technology to destroy a monster? Mm-hmm. And that if you think that through, that means in the World War II metaphor, the monster that's right. being destroyed is, is fascist is Japan. Yeah, it's Imperial is Japan. Right. Yep. Not not yep. not the Japanese people as a whole, but the fascist version of it. Yes. Right. And they're asking like so it's 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 almost like saying, Yes, we were a monster. We needed mm-hmm. to be defeated. But did you 
was it right to use these methods right and should you have done something else and i think that's, that's a right. brilliant question that that's a perfectly phrased a perfectly formulated question about that situation i think that's very cool and very works on every level i think i don't yeah. know what the answer to it is by the way and, and i don't it, know that I don't, the movie I don't, does because godzilla does need to be destroyed right i don't and they couldn't an do it otherwise I, and I, don't, I don't think there is a, a right answer you know but that's just you know a direction you have to take for a story mm -hmm. but yeah in any case because of all that yeah absolutely i think it's it's definitely worth toasting cool i'm i'm in you know? i i enjoyed it i enjoyed watching it again and i thought about it weirdly enough for a month for a movie about a monster stepping on buildings i right. spent some time thinking about it afterwards so that <laughs> I, I think that means think, a lot to me i think if, if ebert wanted you know a story you can go watch uh from here to eternity which is you know set yeah. 10 years earlier but that's a drama. This is a monster movie, but as a monster movie, I think it, it, it's, it's fantastic. So, yeah. so there you okay. go. Great. Toasting the classics is uh, on the record as we approve of Godzilla 54. We approve with our expertise, man. Yeah. Great. Sounds good. I'll do a little noise. There you go. <laughs> try to, there you try go. To Very cool. Um, that, so that I works. think we're, I think we're done for this week, right? I think we're, we're I think that's it. Yeah. Going to sign off. So thanks for joining us with Toasting the Classics. I'm Dave MacArthur. And I am Clint Lanier. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you next time on Toasting the Classics. Peace out. Peace. That's it for episode 62 of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, stay tuned to find out what we'll be drinking as we don our flannel shirts for a discussion of Nirvana's album, Nevermind. If you'd like to get in touch, please send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, comments, complaints, and let us know your favorite Godzilla opponent, as long as it's not Hedorah. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at attractivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics. Mm -hmm.